Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Maura McGoodwin with Career Contessa coach Shay Burris. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. Today's episode is the fourth and final episode of a special four-part series called Black Women In, which will explore the ways Black women wind down and stay sane. If you've missed our earlier episodes in the series, they're linked in the show notes. So far, we've covered Black women in the workplace and Black women versus white privilege, as well as Black women in the world. I am not your stereotype. Hi everyone, I'm Shay, a corporate recruiting manager, career contestant coach, and most importantly, a Black woman. And I'm excited to bring the fourth and final episode in this series to you. The idea with this series was to open up a dialogue by sharing the voices and stories of ambitious and successful Black women, including advice and knowledge sharing centered around maintaining resilience as Black women. To help in this conversation, I've invited back three of my girlfriends, Jasmine Anderson, Stephanie Kibo, and Nevia Bradshaw, to join me in these important conversations. I know, Shay, can you believe we're at the very final end? I know, it's so bittersweet. (laughs) (laughs) Bittersweet, four months of amazing. Exactly, four months of this series, you guys. Uh, This is the last one, so get ready. This is now The Females. I'm so thrilled to welcome back Shay, Jasmine, Stephanie, and Nevia to The Females for the final episode in our special series. Hi, ladies, welcome back. Hi. This episode is focused on discussing how Black women are prioritizing self-care right now, but also how and why the world hasn't been set up to support Black women's self-care, happiness, sanity, etc. Shay, let's start with you sharing a bit more about the history around Black women and the support for winding down. Yes, of course. So um, I think historically the term self-care hasn't really existed in a Black woman's world. Self-care by definition, and there's like multiple versions of definitions floating around, but I went with the one that I felt like identified mostly. And it's the things that you do to take care of your well-being with four key dimensions. One is emotional, physical, psychological, and spiritually from a health perspective. And when I kind of think of how I have experienced people managing through self-care and like sanity, I think of really only like non-minority white women. Like when I think about black women 
figuring out their way to stay sane. It doesn't, it's not something I feel like I identified with or like even allowed myself to subscribe into until I was an adult. Like I think about like dinner with girlfriends and spa treatments and tropical vacations and therapy. Like these weren't things I identified with until I like gave myself permission to do so. And I feel like it's even a little bit stigmatized within the black community or like for black women specifically to spend money on things that help us and sort of like, like maintain sanity in this space. And like, when I think about my family, my mom is not somebody who did self-care. Like she worked, she took care of me and my sister. She took care of my dad. She took care of all things in the household and like her outlets were church. She wasn't even a person who went to dinner with her girlfriends on a regular basis. My mom didn't have anybody to talk to. My mom didn't go on vacations. My mom didn't like do any of these things that I feel like are the way to kind of like keep yourself grounded. And even the things that like my mom did do, I would consider them maintenance and not self-care, like getting her hair done every once in a while and the yearly shopping trip that wasn't for me and my sister was my mom's version of self-care, like if she was lucky. So I have a question for all of you guys and everybody just jump in and like turn off, turn your sound on. But like, what's your exposure and experience prior to adulthood with understanding and actioning on the idea of like managing and supporting your mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional well-being? Like who have been your examples, I guess. Well, I want to say, Shay, I think what's so hard for Black women in self-care is the fact that it's been turned into something that is very expensive, right? Like you have to have money to take care of yourself, which makes us be like, well, I don't have money for vacations. I don't have money for acupuncture. I don't have money to get like a divination and things like that. And I just really want us to be careful how we define self-care because it will, if we define it as things we pay for to make ourselves feel good, then I'd say 60% of Black women won't have access to it, right? And so I think my understanding of self-care before I became an adult with a little bit of point was kind of (laughs) just enjoyment, like laughing. Like I've known Shay for decades and just she's been a huge part of my self-care as somebody I just sat and laughed with and taking walks together and taking drives together. And I mean, enjoyment is like such a big part of my self-care and enjoy. Shay says I enjoy at all costs which is very true. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think that it's like, like spending time, you know, quality time is my love language. And that's always been a part of my self care. So sitting with my mom and like sitting with Shay, sitting with girlfriends has been instrumental in keeping me sane. And then I think in the last, what, maybe four years, self care has turned into this capitalistic framework where we have to pay so much money and masks and all these things. And it's just like, I just find it disturbing. So I don't know. I just wanted to add my comment in the beginning to see how Nevia and Jasmine thought about like kind of the capitalist definitions of self-care as well. Ooh, you came for me. Look, so so I like preparing for this episode I really realized that as a, like a marketer who the company I work for right now is all about like fitness and, and being your best self. And I realized in preparing for this episode that I have been guilty of associating 
self-care and wellness with material items. But as I like prepared and really thought about it, it's not so much that it is a necessity for you to be in the mindset of taking care of yourself. It's more of like a bonus, right? Like, so consumerism aside, and I think I'll get back to that, but I think we like, we as a generation of marketers, I guess, really took and ran, you know, with the whole self-care for consumerism concept. And that's like not something that I think we could feel good about if we really looked at it. Because again, just as I was thinking about this, self-care for me is really thinking about what I need and really thinking about um, how to be honest with myself at all times. And, you know, as I like reflected, I realized that like, yourself oftentimes is the only um, instance in your life where you don't have a contract, right? I sign a contract and they, it says exactly how much I'll get paid, when I'll get paid, you know, what my title is, yada, yada. You know, you enter into social agreements with like friends and, and family and whoever else. All the other archetypes of our, of our life kind of have agreements, right? But I think self-care is a commitment to taking care of yourself, agnostic of your changing, changing circumstances. So it really is you entering into for Nevia, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z and on X, Y, and Z schedule. And I'm not going to beat up about myself about this. And I'm not going to do that. It's, it really is protecting your mental health, making hard decisions, creating boundaries, leveraging outlets like therapy. I think some of the aspects of treating yourself are like valuable. So like it's saying, Hey, if I have a hundred dollars to spend this week, I'm going to make sure that like $25 $25 are for the sheet mask and whatever, because I know it'll make me feel happy. But it's it's not about the sheet mask. It's about you consciously taking a moment for yourself and spending time on yourself. And I, I think that's where we have to delineate the ease that uh, consumerism has like driven and, and drum up a whole industry of self-care, right? But it's it's that action of, of taking time out for yourself. Yeah, I can completely echo on all levels or with all of you ladies on um, self-care, specifically you, Shay. I grew up in a very devout Christian household and my mother worked tirelessly. She worked multiple jobs. Yes, she took time for friends here and there, but I saw my mom work, 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 and then give all of herself into church, even to the point where, you know, she's also giving herself her time and, you know, volunteering and things of that nature. So when the concept of the indulgent self-care under the consumerism lens, I didn't see much of when I was growing up. Now she did take very good care of herself. And I say this because my mother's extremely influential. She, I'm I'm a product of a only, um, of a single parent. And so she, she raised me herself, but she did take care of herself. So always got her hair done and her nails done. And that hour that she took to get her nails done and she put into herself, I truly, truly believe was my mom's little bit of self-care or was a part of her self-care regimen. And I see in myself that I've adopted much of the same. Self-care, like my foundation of self-care is my spiritual being. My spiritual being truly sets the tone for everything around me, everything in my ecosystem and everything in my internal ecosystem. And so that is where I seek my alignment. That's where I seek my grounding. It wasn't until I started right? Making some money where I could afford my, my massages and I could afford to get my nails done and I could afford, you know, my, my trips and, and lavish thrills. 
but <laughs> growing up, you know, and my foundational pieces are truly those that don't cost a thing other than me spending quality time with myself and spirit. And um, I don't necessarily, you know, need to, to spend to do it. Yeah, I want to lift up what Nevia and Jasmine actually said, especially Nevia, because it, I think it is, if we center ourselves in this idea of committing to something for yourself, whether it's sitting in silence, whether it's turning off your video on a Zoom call or spending your coin on something, it's like a commitment, which I really like that definition. Yeah, I mean, I remember my dad actually used to say, if you don't write it down, like it may not, you may, you may not fulfill it, right? It doesn't so, exist. <laughs> exactly. So I always thought of like my commitments to myself and my goals as something I had to write down. And that, that for me, like Jasmine, uh, your spirituality is for you is the foundation of my self-care, like a commitment to, you know, to, to myself and to be better. Mm-hmm. List making is a form of self-care. Mm-hmm. I feel like, <laughs> I feel sure. like when you think about like, the need to take time away, like the how I typically do that. And I guess that was actually my mom's way too. When I think back on it, like my mom never got a break. She never took a break. Her break was like housework. And then she'd like bring us into it. But like, I do think that her time to decompress. And I guess that's what I saw was like my mom's like variation of organization. And that was how she kind of kept herself sane when like, she's trying to juggle all of these things because my mom started out married and she ended up not married. So my mom became a single parent with two kids and like still had a job and went to college at one point during that time. So I just remember like my mom was always making lists. What are we buying at Walmart this week? What are we getting from the grocery store? What is the housework that needs to be done? What's the stuff where, you know, so I think that that probably is the one thing historically that I've adopted is list making. Like when I get into like the deepest rut and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like I just start writing lists. Like what can I check off? And that's kind of a way that I'm like maybe thinking about the weight of the world gets lifted off my chest when I make a cross out in the commitments that I have said I'm going to like, fulfill. You're like, okay, I paid that bill as much as I can. Check. I told my boss off this week. Check. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I need to add that to my list. (laughs) That ain't on my list. I told him. But look look here. Look, if I tell you, (laughs) that may be one of the most important ones. Right. (laughs) And so Shay, you're talking about like mechanisms to relieve anxiety as self-care like you can either sit within your anxiety and be like oh my gosh like I'm about to drown or Mm -hmm. you can proactively see that's the difference though between me and you Shay is like you're like I'm going to proactively like do something so I can avoid anxiety where I'm more like okay I just need to turn everything off and just sit with it for a minute like I need to sit with it like I probably err on the same spirituality as Jasmine with like tarot and meditation Mm -hmm. and doing something, even if it's like five seconds, because Mm -hmm. I actually get anxiety from making lists. Like that doesn't actually help me, but I've seen Shay do it for decades and it really relieves anxiety. It allows you to like move forward. So it's an interesting idea that self-care just manifests so differently within people. Yeah, I think we're hearing that within each other, too, because you see, I open the 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 conversation by saying, like, 
we didn't see our moms and stuff getting facials and see our moms and stuff getting vacations. And I was coming from the perspective of like, you know, I feel like I was getting judged when I was younger taking vacations. Like you're, what do you mean you're taking a vacation? And it's like, what do you mean? What do you, what do I mean? Am I taking a vacation? Like, why not? You know? And so it was kind of the thought process of like, it's okay to spend money, but how we quickly pivoted in this conversation to being like, it doesn't have to mean that you're spending money. It's like, you know, non-minorities privilege opportunity to spend money on facials and dinners and bottles of wine and things like that, where 60% of the black women that are listening to this call won't be able to do that. So what are the other ways? So it's, it is very interesting. I think how I had a very specific way of thinking about like what consumerism self-care could be and it being okay to do that when it starts to be so much smaller than that. And just in terms of how you take care of yourself. Absolutely. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, even the lavish things don't necessarily have, you don't have to necessarily take money out. So if you are looking to get your hair done and budget is tight, I would hit up a a cosmetology school where you're going to get your hair done for free. Or um, me, I'm a really big advocate on mental health. So I see a therapist regularly and it is more of a preventative measure than it is, you know, because I I need to fix something. But there are funds and foundations out there, such as the Loveland Foundation, who I think um, Rachel Cargyle is either behind or severely supports, who uh, raises money for uh, black and brown and minority communities so that these women, specifically for women, to have access to therapy and care. So if that is your, you know, if you want to get your nails done, again, that cosmetology school, there are other outlets where you can have a consumer experience for free. So mm-hmm. I don't want ladies out there to think, oh man, you know, well, that bottle of wine is going to have to wait till next paycheck or that <laughs> facial is going to have to wait. You can, it, there are outlets out there that can definitely yeah. be the, the self Go to a local yeah. winery and steal as many samples as you can, ladies. <laughs> you know, hit up a Costco. <laughs> yeah. But it actually, I had a friend who was uncompromising within her organization that was saying to her organization, you guys have to invest in like self-care packages for all of us. Like we're mostly all minority women of color here. You guys have a lot of money within your institution and like you can invest $40 into a box for each of us. And they were like, okay, cause no one's saying no to a Mexican woman in 2020. And they said yeah. yes. And they, she was able to curate this box that was like, I think a bath bomb and like a card set and, and stuff. So it's just another thing to say, like, perhaps if you are within an institution that's pretty large and has resources to do silly stuff, how can we actually prioritize that and say to our institutions, to our bosses, hey, everyone's going through racist coronavirus election times. I think we need to be, you know, like we need a war. Right. A war, basically, like some of these institutions like can invest in things for their people, but the people have to say something. So I just want to put that out there as something to say I'm, when you're I'm, working. Yes. I'm not you, Shay. That you brought that up. <laughs> we going to get there. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually so glad you brought that up because I just started like a, a leadership program that actually my company was nice enough to to sponsor for the black some of the black leaders in our 
organization, which was really nice. Um, and one of the um, speakers shared a personal anecdote and he shared that his brother actually like got into an accident and all of these things. It was, uh, they, you know, they had a very trying time with their family. And he, instead of like taking off what might have felt like a lot of time, he only took off 48 hours and then was back to the office, back to the grind. And for me, the way I'm built, like my little sister is my entire life. Like my whole family, I should say, really is my entire world. And if if something is not right with one of them or something is happening or what have you, or I need to be there, I need to be in another mental space, that and standing up for what you need in the at the point in time is self-care as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think so often we put so much on our backs trying to take care of our corporations and make sure we're working, you know, the 60, the 40 hours, whatever it is, but you're doing yourself a great disservice because then when you get back and you're, you know, not fully there, you're not mentally prepared, or you break down in a meeting, or you're, you know, going through COVID, corona, election, craziness times, and you really need a moment, nobody's going to be able to give it to you if you don't ask. So I think, you know, that's one of the most important things of self-care is, is really, again, just like stating loudly what you need at all times. Literally in this very moment, right before I'm hopping on this podcast with you ladies, I was almost in tears and I really needed a self-care moment and it's because of my voice or the stunting of and I am working recently on just like advocating verbally advocating for myself verbally advocating for myself making it known whoever it may be setting those boundaries and verbally advocating for myself so I just wanted to say how important your comment is and how it's coming at a time even speaking like to the panel right to me directly so thank you for that That's a really good segue into the second part, which was going to be talking about emotional boundaries, which advocating for yourself certainly can fall into that and reactions and boundaries around current events, whether it's work, real life. Can we talk a little bit about that for you guys too? Yeah. Navia, you said something just now where, you know, at work, they're not going to give you the space. And I don't even think it's like give you, they won't let you. Like, it's not even a give. Give would be like if people were actually at your company or in your career space caring, actively caring about how you feel. And I'm thinking about a particular instance, and I won't go into detail because it's Jasmine's story and not mine, but actively thinking about somebody who didn't even process what her person was thinking, feeling, going through, experiencing. And it was one of those things where, Emotional boundaries is like having to be like, stop right there. Whatever you're about to say, like, I think we've talked about this before, where it's whatever you're about to say, don't say it to me. I'm not your person. And I think, Nevia, what you mentioned too about family, I'm probably guilty of hiding from my family a little bit. That is my way of setting boundaries. I am the middleman in between, like, I'm the fixer in the family. And so that isn't becomes sometimes emotionally tolling on me. And so I just hide like when they come texting, calling, and I don't have that many family members either. Like I literally have three, but when I think about the type of exhaustion that sometimes it comes from when I'm, you know, playing the referee between my dad and my sister and my mom and my sister and all three of them, it, it's another thing that kind of takes something out of me. So there are some days when I'm just like, I don't have a phone today. 
And it, it's kind of really sort of putting up a wall where I can get lost in somebody else's world. And typically my way of getting lost in someone else's world is some sort of TV marathon. Um, <laughs> and yes, then it- I have to say girlfriends on Netflix is self care, honey. living my best life. You recognize new depths when you watch like old when shows. When you're 30, it hits yeah, different. You're like, oh, it's different. Me, I get you, girl. I know why you didn't want to fuck with Todd like that. But no, anyway. So like, yes. And that's exactly what I do. Spent the last three days watching Girlfriends Guide to Divorce. Never been married. Don't know anything about divorce. But thought it'd be interesting to watch some ladies in their 40s. White women, of course. But in their 40s. So that is my way of kind of setting boundaries is like disconnecting and kind of completely turning off from the world and like just falling into somebody else's world for a little bit of time. For sure. Yeah, I think like boundaries for me manifest the I need them more in my professional life than in my personal life. And I think boundaries professionally manifest with really like especially in these Zoom days not having my camera on. Because a huge, I, I'm sure you ladies get it. Like when anyone wants to talk about race or uh, equity, everyone's just staring at you and waiting for your response. And it's like, okay, my, <laughs> I'm not going to have my camera on. It also manifests in saying no to meetings that are like, mm-hmm. you know, ha- asking people for an agenda. Do you have an agenda? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I just want to check in. Okay, no. it's just just for my own uh, positioning. I love to say that for my own positioning of this conversation. <laughs> can you please just let me know what the agenda is? And so I've had to do a lot of that to ensure I'm not wasting time because I feel like it's too easy to for to let people monopolize your time. That you could yeah. be napping, you could be talking to your sister if that's self care doing your tarot, talking to your therapist. And I don't think it really dawned on me how precious my time is until this year. And now I'm like guarding it so much more. And so I don't know. I, that's, I feel like the family thing is, I think I've managed that uh, enough, but the professionally is what has, people will suck up, you know, 60% of your day. We're mm-hmm. awake for how many hours a day? I'm spending more than half of it talking to 18 white people like that can't be self-care that's actually like a really big detriment to my own mental health especially right now and so I don't know I just think protecting our time professionally is so huge and we have to like really think about how to do that as efficiently as possible as black women what you just said Steph I found something on social media and y'all know I don't even do social media that is another version of boundaries for me is that I'm caught up in some Instagram model is just gonna make me feel bad about myself today. That's no, true. Thanks. I don't need That's that. That's true. I make mm-hmm. it a point from, you know, I make it a point in my social media to follow people who look like me, black women, plus size women. Like I make it a mm-hmm. point to follow those women and I will eliminate an elementary school friend. If what you're talking about does not have anything to do with me, you're wasting my time. But one of the things that I found on social media and this, this woman said this, her name is Kendra and she's just like an influencer, but she said, it's love to say that's not mine to carry. It's love to say that's your work to do. It's love to say use Google. Boundaries are love. And that was like pivotal to like processing like self-care is all of that. Like I am not your Google. Like that is your work to do. And another thing I wanted to say with boundaries too is also we talked about this in previous episodes, but it's also cutting people out that do not serve you. Those are boundaries. Like being okay with giving up 
things that do not work for you, whether that is men, whether that is friends, whether that is coworkers, whether that is jobs. And I know Stephanie made a little comment earlier about me being jobless. Don't worry, y'all. I'll get to that at the end of the self-care moment. But that is absolutely a part of that. It's a long moment for her. (laughs) She's had a long moment of self-care. It can't be long enough. (laughs) I got people knocking down my door and I said, no tanks. I need time for (laughs) tanks. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> no, that's so true. Uh, how do you guys set boundaries on social media? Because yeah, I think Shay Shay's ha- doesn't do social media since two thousand five, so I feel like it's easy for her. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think following the mute button. Who, fo- yeah, the mute button. True. Oh, true. true. <laughs> you, you, mute you. True. Um, mute you. Un un unfollow. Yeah, I think so. Staying off of the news sites. Uh, actually, I just had that to unfollow sure. all the shade room because they are so problematic and so stressful for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, social media boundaries is huge. Or taking a break. Like I haven't been on it um, for like two days or so on Instagram or a day. And that's like, what'd you say? I said baby steps. Baby steps, my baby. You know I'm an influencer. You know I'm an influencer. Yes, girl. I'm, a, I'm an influencer. Don't be jealous. True, 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 true. You be gaining followers by the hour. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I think what I've learned most about boundaries for me, having had to take constant reassessments of my boundaries over time, once I became you know, aware of what boundaries, what the heck they are, right? For all the ladies who probably have not really set boundaries are not really cognizant of boundaries. Boundaries are a personal, healthy uh, defense or barrier between you and a person, you in a situation that allows you to still operate in a place where you are feel grounded, you are at peace and you are whole and you are unaffected by, um, you are Ooh. not negatively impacted by your exterior or by other people or situations or happenings. So um, once I became aware that, uh, yeah, you need to put some up, um, my biggest lesson is that throughout my life, they're constantly evolving. There's constantly changing. So once I think that I've put up a really healthy boundary between, you know, some of my relationships, whether they be romantic or with my girlfriends or friends, as those relationships continue to evolve and mature, so do my boundaries. And I think what's helped me is just like a constant awareness of what I've already, like the work I've already done and what my boundaries already are and figuring out, well, does that boundary even make sense anymore or does it need to be adjusted to the point, so much to the point where like I'm working on it now in therapy, we're doing a reassessment of freaking boundaries because as Shay mentioned... Mm. Sorry, it was my story. It's so poignant. Some of these relationships, you know, mm-hmm. that have been trying. And for additionally, just to take a um, a, a spiritual under a spiritual lens, oh, I'm also an empath, and I've noticed that, especially with 2020, I absorb a lot of energy from the people around me. And for anyone who is there, you know, we all have our beautiful gifts, but for anyone who's there, I'm sure you are struggling this year. This year has been very difficult, but taking note of what truly is yours, what are truly your feelings versus maybe the energy that you've been, that has affected you or you've been susceptible to is a moment of self-care. I now have a 
almost daily check with check in with myself about does this belong to me or is this someone else's is this something that I may have picked up along the way but you know what's hard for me Jasmine is I have a hard time doing that with black women because I don't know how to separate myself from black women like I boundaries are my favorite with white people I love it I live for it but like what's happened is I had a recent like friend breakup and it took so long because she is a black woman and she played on the sisterhood card that made me feel guilty for putting boundaries between her and I. And so it's just like, I don't know, listening to you is like, Oh, I know I got to like do better with black women. Honestly, like it's so difficult for me. And that actually sounds stuff like a shared experience. I mean, you too, that was your friend. That was your girlfriend. So you too, you know, you do have ownership of those feelings because that is, it's a breakup. What you have already identified, however, is that she was placing uh, guilt upon you. You've already identified which that you, which you should not own. And there, from Mm. there, just be having that awareness, you can release what it is that is not yours. And then you can integrate or accept or deal with what is. Ooh, I'm about to Venmo you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So as we wrap up, let's kind of conclude with, I I guess this is a two-part question, which is, can each of you tell me your number one way or piece of advice to other black women for staying sane and happy right now? And then also, what do you do now in your 30s that maybe you didn't do in your 20s as it relates to self-care and and anybody can start? Well, I'm the only one unmuted, so I'll go first. Uh, (laughs) So I think as the listeners have heard throughout the earlier little like, you know, little nuggets that I'm like not currently working. So 2020 has been a crazy year for the retail industry and like what I have watched happen with my team at Lucky and like, you know, down to zero, like I literally don't work there anymore. There's nobody in HR. The company has transitioned into a new space. And I think that like when the exit of the team was happening, it was really important. And I promised myself that I would take some time to decompress. And I think that that's what's really important in 2020 is to like the advice that I would give essentially is take a break where and when you can. And I maybe (laughs) probably shouldn't be saying this, but like if you can financially take a break from a place or a career that you are not happy with, do it. Like an opportunity that does not serve you anymore. And we talked about it a second ago from an emotional capacity, from a friendship capacity, from a man capacity. Talk about that also from a career perspective. I w- I've never taken a break. In the 10 years that I have been building my career, I have never actually taken a break from being responsible contractually, like Nevia said, to anything. And I've never felt more free and light during my, as Stephanie called it, long-term sabbatical. I have been treating myself. I have been doing all the things and I've been treating myself and I've been doing nothing at the same time. So the advice that I would give is if you have an opportunity and, and the advice that I'm giving is also advice that was given to me. Someone else said there's not another time in maybe history where there are more people unemployed than employed that you will have an opportunity to get by on unemployment or less than if you can and find the things that make you happy and find the things that serve you because you are not bogged down with needing to hustle from one job to the next. So that would be the advice that I give. And then um, 
The thing that I would say that I didn't do in my 20s that I do in my 30s is kind of a combo. So it is, um, well, one of the things I would say is that spending time alone is not something I did in my 20s very often. Like when the weekends came, I was out. I spent a long, all my 20s in a tequila haze, pretty much. So vodka haze at that time. So what I do in my <laughs> vodka haze for sure, tequila in my 30s, vodka in my 20s. So that's one thing that's different. The other thing is I would say is being okay with spending time alone. So Friday nights are not a way like in my 20s where I was out partying. It's happy hour. We're drinking. We're doing all that. And at least three quarters of you know that from that, from my experience, from being friends with me for a long time. And in my thirties, I'm absolutely comfortable with movie night, making dinner for myself, a glass of wine, sitting on my couch, enjoying my space. That is something that is like very much not what I did in my twenties and, and is, is, is kind of super soothing and, and healthy for me. And the last thing I meant to say this too, sorry, y'all is talking to your friends. That's another thing. I've always talked to my friends, but a lot of it in the past has been gossip. So it's always been like, oh my God, girl, this is what happened, right? Like, oh my God, this, da, da, da. but I find that this podcast has been a version of therapy in one regard that we do on a monthly basis, but then just getting on the phone and like talking to your friends about any and everything that you're feeling deep, light, medium, off the wall, watching a movie together has been so critical to my self sanity and like my happiness. And that's not something I was doing up until I didn't have a choice to travel and see all my friends and all of that. I'm dead. <laughs> Good <laughs> job. Um, I think my, my answers kind of fall in line with what Shay shared. First, I would say there's no way, and also kind of what Nevi and Jasmine said, everybody, everybody. Um, <laughs> there's no way to, to understand self-care unless you, don't, you, you know yourself. Like knowing really intimate details of when you're most productive in the day, when you need to take a break, when you need to shut down. Like again, when you need to turn off your camera, those are professionally, but also when you need to not, to, to not talk to your family, when you need to talk to your, uh, even if it's a particular girlfriend more so than another. Like I think I've learned that in my 30s that I am such a different person throughout the day, even, you know, throughout the week that I need different things for myself. I need different people. I need different quiet time. And so just slowing down and getting to know yourself intimately so you can show up for yourself um, because it's not always a massage. Sometimes it's therapy. Sometimes it's tarot. Sometimes it's like, I need to specifically talk to Shay. And so it's kind of, just understanding yourself to the point where you are so, so in tune with what you need in that moment is just really important. And like, yeah, I guess that's what I did in my, what I'm doing in my thirties that I didn't know in my twenties, like in my twenties, it was like, okay, I need to buy myself this. Okay. I need to take this trip. And it was kind of like, I was overgeneralizing what I needed to, to reflect on what I saw other people doing perhaps. And so now it's like, yeah, it's, not a lot of those things it's actually like a walk and that's totally free or it might be a trip it might but I, it just now I have purpose behind the self-care whereas in my 20s I probably was aimless with it if that makes sense yeah I 100% agree with that because I think for me the biggest thing is giving yourself space and room because I think even in situations I've had with some of the ladies on the the phone today I think people don't realize that we're all living life in real time. Like this is a 
it's a like full like on simulation like there are things that I should have known that I wish I'd known on particular days in my 20s that I didn't know there I mean even in my 30s now and I think it is learning yourself it's giving giving yourself permission to feel be embarrass yourself even like I think so often we're all so hard on ourselves and that's counterproductive to the self-care, right? It, if you are continuously beating up on yourself, then there's not going to be much self to take care of. You know what I mean? So I think it's just taking time and space, processing, learning to say what you need when you need it and why. And I think also to like being stern about that with in some instances, like you have to say like, no, I really need to like sit down this very minute where I really need to like I don't know, be in my room with my lights off or what have you. I, I think giving yourself permission to feel all your feelings and re- respecting that your feelings are valid and setting boundaries for yourself in terms of, you know, just letting yourself be, I think is something I learned as of late. And I especially been putting to practice just with all of the stimuli that is around. It's so much right now. It's, it's too much. So, you know, coming back to that, that center of balance, that spirituality, that letting yourself feel is super, super important. Yeah, I, I can completely um, agree, Navia. And I think that my recommendation to the ladies or the listeners kind of encompasses everyone's. Uh, for me, what, and I've kind of dropped little things on how I navigate my self-care throughout the conversation or what I believe self-care means for me. However, we move so fast. We're very goal-oriented ladies. You know, we have vigor and a zest for life and we're constantly go, 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 go. And one of the ways that I was able to first even identify what self-care is for me, because I wasn't really doing that in my 20s. I was kind of like Shay said, you know, in a vodka stupor or, you know, I wasn't really just as uh, aware of, me and probably what I need, but I, I, I was always on the go, on the go, on the go. And so what helped me even identify what self-care is for me is being present, just having a literal mindfulness of this very moment, speaking with you ladies right here, right now, not thinking about anything, not thinking about the next thing I have to do or the, the things that, you know, I did right before the call. It's just right here, right now. And I was never doing that enough. And I definitely wasn't doing that when I was in my 20s because I had a lot of shit to do. I have a lot of shit to accomplish. You know, things need to get done. So so if you are struggling in how do I even identify what self-care is, I have two recommendations. Identify, write yourself a list or make mental notes, whatever works for you on the things that truly, truly make you happy. What brings you to peace? and balance, write it all out. Mm -hmm. And then within those things, what are the things where, when's the last time that you were experiencing that moment and you were able to say, or just be aware of that very moment right then and there, and then start doing more of that, start doing more of all of that. And I think it just kind of really aligns with what all of the things that the ladies have said on the call today. Amazing. Well, Thank you, Shay, Jasmine, Nevia, and Stephanie for sharing your voices and your stories today, but also just throughout this special series. It's been incredible to hear your stories. And also, we, I feel like we've covered a lot, you know, Black women in the workplace to versus white privilege. We've talked about winding down and self-care. And I think it's 
also just very serendipitous that it's happening near the end of the year when this is also very much a priority. I think Stephanie, you said, made a really good point that whether it's COVID or whatever is happening, it's like never in your life have you realized just how much precious time is and how it's your most valuable asset. And I think this is a really good ending for people to recognize that and then think about what what they are going to do with that so it serves them and it's not serving other people. So I just want to say thank you so much to all of you. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for bringing us along. Thank you, Shay, for this podcast. I mean, when I say therapy, this has been therapeutic for me ladies. Honestly, we have talked this whole thing out and in like one of the most, you know, transformational times, hopefully Mm. transformational times that we are seeing in our lifetime. And I'm just, I just feel like this has just really been a special place for me. So thank you. Thank you, you guys. And a big thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. We absolutely love hearing from you all. And if you enjoyed this mini series and want to see more of them, let us know either via your reviews on Apple Podcasts, or you can just send us an email directly, info at careercontessa.com. And don't forget, you can slide into our DMs on Instagram. We're at Career Contessa. And we'd love to know any of the future topics for a series that you'd love to hear. And if you've missed any of the earlier episodes in this series, remember that we've linked them in the show notes below. We've already covered Black women in the workplace, Black women versus white privilege, and Black women in the world, I am not your stereotype. A big, big, big thank you to my girls, Jasmine, Nevia, and Stephanie for lending their voices and stories to this series, honestly. <laughs> I know. They've done an incredible job. I feel like it's been really special that the four of you have gotten to have the series together, too. It's been really nice from the listener standpoint, so it's been really nice to follow it. And lastly, you guys remember that Shay is one of our incredible career coaches through our service called Hire a Mentor. So if you're feeling like it's time to invest some one-on-one time for that personalized career coaching or give yourself this gift of career coaching, but don't know where to start, we've got you covered. You can learn more about Hire a Mentor in the show notes, or you can also go to careercontested.com and click on coaching and you'll see amazing coaches like Shay who are there to start booking with.